So this morning, we do continue on in Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And as you just heard in that scripture reading, what Jesus is going to talk to us now about in this sermon is this topic of money. Money. And in terms of Jesus talking to us about money, what I want us to all see, even as we begin a passage like this, is that even in this pretty short section that we're covering, Jesus here doesn't address money by just commanding us or by just warning us about it. Now, he does do those things a little bit, as we'll talk about, because think about it, Jesus does love us, and he created us, and he knows the sinful allure of money for each of us, and Jesus even knows that so many people have not genuinely loved or followed him because of the allure of money. And so, yes, Jesus does command and warn us a bit here, but... Also, what I want us to see, even as we begin, is that yet Jesus, even more mainly in the passage that we're about to go over, he mainly reasons with us about money. He reasons with us, meaning as you're about to see, Jesus is quite thoughtful and he uses arguments and logic and reasonings with us as he discusses this topic. And right away, I want us all to see that because that will come up a lot here this morning. And that's important because even from just 30,000 feet on this topic, let's be honest, we all know that talking about money can be a touchy subject. And it can be a touchy subject because of how important money is in our world and how necessary it is in all of our lives and, and how it's something that can be used for good or for bad, how it can be a temptation or blessing in so many ways. And so again, this is a close to home, an important and touchy even subject for all of us. And, and being like that, I do think that sometimes we can come to church or come to God's word and we can kind of be hesitant or, or at least a, a little bit afraid to hear the Bible or to hear Jesus talk about this subject. And, and why? Well, because again, this is so close to our lives and because I bet we probably think that if it's talked about, it's mainly just going to be so negative or intense. And yes, again, even at times this morning, Jesus is lovingly intense about money, but also, again, I hope we all know and that we see that when Jesus talks about money, he merely nor mainly just uses his authority to tell us what to do. Nor does he simply warn us. Instead, he really is going to reason with us about money. And in all that said, that should be encouraging to us as we approach this passage. Because that means for you and for me, and here's the point, that means that since Jesus doesn't just command us, but also reasons with us, it means that we can all know that if we truly get what he's about to say, what will happen is we'll not only start to see that what Jesus says about money is right versus wrong, but hopefully we'll start to see that it truly does make sense. That's what I think Jesus wants us to get to. Or to say it another way, when we pay attention to Jesus' teaching on money, we'll hopefully all more start to feel, yes, I actually agree with you, Jesus. Or finally, to say one last way, in the way Jesus teaches us about money, church, in the end, I hope we all see that his instructions on this topic aren't just authoritative. They are, but that they're also a breath of fresh air and true, and even loving, and what's best for you and me. And so that is the topic that we're going to be talking about this morning, looking at Jesus' teach on money. But that then brings us to our outline for how we'll exactly go through what Jesus says about this subject. And so in terms of what's going on here in this passage, 
I think for us to really understand what Jesus is saying, and again, to see how he's reasoning with us here, we're going to go verse by verse and have three sections as we do that this morning. Three sections which will all build on one another from Jesus. And as for what we'll see in them first, we'll begin in just verses 19 and 20. And there we're going to see Jesus give his only commands in this passage. And in them we're going to see his more basic initial reasons for his teaching on money. And so first, Jesus' commands and his basic reasons, which then second will lead us to continue on and see Jesus give some more deeper reasons concerning his commands about money. And for that, we'll be in verses 21 through 23, which then third and finally will lead us to look at Jesus' final climactic reason about his teaching on money in his famous verse 24. And so in summary, first, Jesus' commands and his initial reasoning. Second, some more deeper reasons. And then third, Jesus' final and climactic reason for his teaching on money. And so that's where we're going. But all that said, let's then dive in and begin our first section here together, church. And for this, again, we're going to be in just verses 19 and 20. And here we're going to see Jesus give his commands and his initial more basic reasoning for his teaching here on money. And just so you know, before we even read it, and this is really interesting on this whole passage, in all of verses 19 through 24 here, if you look at your Bible, there's actually only two commands from Jesus. Two commands, or imperatives, if you prefer that grammatical term. And I double-checked on that because it seems that there may be others. Like, for example, the ending with Jesus' famous, you cannot serve God in money. But in reality, that and literally everything else after verses 19 and through 20 here, they aren't commands. Instead, everything after this is going to be statements, meaning Jesus over and over in this whole passage is mainly going to be talking to us just about how things are, which is why I've been saying he's going to be reasoning with us. But that said, here in verses 19 and 20, which we're about to read, are commands by Jesus. The first two words of each verse. And so they're him teaching us what to do. And so now let's just see what they are. And for this, we'll first talk about the commands themselves. And then we'll talk Jesus' reasoning for them. And it's all pretty straightforward in this section. But to start, just look down. Let's hear what Jesus says. This is verses 19 and 20. Jesus continues in the Sermon on the Mount. He says this. Do not... Lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. And so obviously the two commands from Jesus there are number one, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. And then on the flip side, number two, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. And now on those commands, a couple things need to be said. First, and I didn't know this until this week, but in the original language there, the verb there for lay up and the noun for treasure are actually the same root word in the original language. One is just a verb and one is a noun. Meaning this could perhaps more accurately be translated as do not treasure for yourself treasures on earth, but treasure for yourself treasures in heaven. And then second, the reason I think that matters is because that then shows us, I think, a little more of what Jesus is getting at here. Because on the one hand, we could just simplistically read these commands and take them that Jesus is saying to his followers that we can't ever save up any money for any purposes at all. But almost all Christians throughout history have not taken Jesus to mean exactly that. Instead, as one commentator I read this week said, he said this, quote, This verse does not prohibit being provident, 
meaning making sensual, sensible provision for the future, but it prohibits being covetous, like misers who hoard and materialists who always want more. And I think that's true because what Jesus is getting at here is that we need to be very careful to notice that what we're taking the time and the energy to store up and why we're doing so. Are we really storing up, treasuring, laying up things here on earth because we think that's what really matters and that's what will give us purpose and joy? Or are we more so taking the same time and energy and seeing our purpose as storing up treasures in heaven? And on, on that, on exactly what treasures in heaven means, I think that like with Jesus' many references to rewards, if you've been with us here in chapter 6, how that's kind of vague, I do think that honestly, what Jesus means here by treasures in heaven, he's intentionally sort of vague here. Because it could be him referring to godliness in this life, in your life, that continues on into the next. It could be him referring to those same rewards he's been talking about. Or it could be him talking about something else. But either way, what we do know from Jesus is that whatever these treasures in heaven consist of, clearly focusing on mainly heavenly things and storing them up is much better than focusing on earthly treasures. And in fact, that's what we're commanded to do as followers of Jesus. All right, so that's the two and the only commands from Jesus in this whole passage, which quickly then, and, and pretty simply, leads us to see his more basic, simple reason here in these verses for those commands. And that's how, he says, concerning these earthly treasures, first, quote, moth and rust destroy, and second, thieves break in and steal, while concerning heavenly treasures, he says, neither of those things can happen. And hearing that, I say that I think that's perhaps the most basic reason in this passage, not because it isn't powerful or true, but instead because I think Jesus probably starts here because that's the most obvious and because think about it, instinctively we all know it's true what he just said. Because, because every one of us in this room, we know that concerning our earthly treasures, we may be so tempted to hoard up, we know they won't last forever. We know that they're so temporary. And not only that, but specifically, we also know that natural events could make us lose them. Right? And that's what moth and rust represent. Just natural things that could take away our earthly treasures. And we know that situations brought about by other people could make us lose them. And that's what thieves breaking in and stealing represents. And so the point is, our earthly treasures, brothers and sisters, we know they can't last. <laughs> Right? They aren't secure. And so obviously, we should not be so about hoarding them up or, or trusting in them or making our lives about them. But again, in contrast to that and in reality, Jesus says that our treasures in heaven, meaning something like taking the time and the energy to store up godliness or Jesus' rewards or loving others or just following him genuinely or many things like that, he says that will last. And that cannot be taken away from us. And therefore, all that said, the, the obvious application, right, from just these two verses is, again, all that being true, logically then, reasonably then, you and I should be people more concerned with storing up heavenly treasures. <laughs> right? We really should. That is the only logical and reasonable conclusion for what Jesus has said so far. And so that's the first and honestly the most basic section here with Jesus' commands and his initial reasoning for them. But that now leads us to continue on in our second section and go a little bit deeper. 
And for this, we are going to see some more deeper reasons from Jesus for why we should not be concerned with earthly treasures and more about heavenly treasures. And for this, we'll be in verses 21 through 23. And just so you know, the reason we are going to include verse 21 in this section rather than the last one is because while verse 21, of course, fits with verses 19 and 20, Jesus here, you can see it in a way, starts to transition into deeper reasons for his commands. And you can see that in that verse 21 starts with that first word, for or because. And so following along with Jesus, Jesus just said his commands and his basic reasons, which now, looking down at our Bibles, leads him to continue on reasoning with us Like this, verses 21 all the way through 23. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. So in here from Jesus, there's essentially two more deeper reasons concerning why you and I should be people focused not on earthly riches but heavenly riches. And the first is that famous verse 21 where Jesus says, for because where your treasure is, and that is the same root word again that showed up four times in verses 19 and 20, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And hearing that, you can, you can sense Jesus' point. And you can perhaps see why I think this is a little bit deeper of a reason from Jesus. It's not more important than the reasonings from verses 19 and 20. But in addition to the fact that our earthly treasures won't last, what does Jesus talk about here now in verse 21? Well, he brings it deeper by showing us that it's not just about what lasts, but really what we decide to store up to treasure affects your and my hearts right now. It really does. What we decide to store up right now impacts who we truly are. And that's why Jesus says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And notice, this is really important. He doesn't say, where your treasure is, be careful to not let your heart go there. You see that? That would be a command. And that would mean that we could store up a lot of earthly treasures in such a way and be people who somehow don't let our hearts go towards those treasures. But Jesus doesn't say that. Instead, he states it as a fact because it is. He says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. It will be. This is how we work. How we work is whatever we spend our energy, our time, our attention, and really our lives on treasuring up, storing up, that will occupy our hearts. It will. What we treasure impacts who we really are in our very hearts. So that's Jesus' first and deeper reason in these verses, which now leads us to his second. And this is now in his less famous and much more confusing at first, verses 22 and 23. And just as a reminder, let's just look at those again. And so Jesus just says that about the heart. And then he continues on in his next sentence and says this about the eye, verses 22 and 23. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? So I say this is much more confusing to us at first, right? Because probably all of us understand Jesus' talk about the heart, but this idea of the eye being the lamp of the body is really strange sounding to us. 
But in short, what we need to know is this, this, that this was a Jewish idiom back then, something they talked about. And the idea was basically that we take in the world right through our eyes. And so what we take in can either lead to a healthy and light, bright body or an unhealthy and dark body. Right? That, that probably makes sense. And hearing that, we may think then that this is Jesus talking about many topics here, such as looking at lust or something else we could do with our eyes or any other topic. But in reality, most people and I myself think that this is Jesus still mainly talking about money. About money. And that may sound strange at first, but that makes sense of the context here. But even more so, to prove that Jesus is still talking about money here, here's some Old Testament Bible verses that sound a lot like what Jesus says here. To begin, listen to this from Proverbs 28.22. Proverbs 28.22. In the most literal translation of the Hebrew, the Bible says this, quote, A man whose eye is evil hastens after wealth. Right, so, so you can hear it. Someone with an evil eye just wants to be wealthy. Or hear this from Deuteronomy 15, 9. God in this verse, he's commanding the Israelites and he says this, quote, Take care lest your eye look grudgingly on your poor brother and you give him nothing. And so again, you can hear it. In both cases, the idea of having a bad eye is what can lead a person to be stingy or to not be generous and loving with their money. And with that in mind, I think that's clearly what Jesus is talking about here. And that makes sense of this eye and lamp and light talk. Because that means that the second deeper reason from Jesus here for his teaching on money is basically that simply put, brothers and sisters, our eyes, how you and I look at and see the world in our lives, they are in a way the lamp of the body. Meaning, think about it, how we view things externally has a lot to do with if we're internally healthy and full of light. And we all know that. Right? How we externally view our lives in the world and money has a lot to do with our internal happiness and peace and ability to love and follow Jesus and more. And so ask yourself, if that's true, then what happens when with my eyes... I become mainly greedy or selfish or always discontent concerning money. Well, Jesus' profound point is when that happens, that really does affect you and I internally. And how does it? Well, Jesus is firm in verse 23. He's clear. If your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? Meaning, church, you and I each, we were designed by God originally to be full of light internally. Right, bright and light and shining on the inside and then on the outside, shining God's glory into his world. We were meant to live with healthy eyes, seeing things rightly, which will lead to more internal peace and brightness. But Jesus' point is, if that's off, when that's off, when we become people seeing the world and others and thinking life is all about money, when we see the world that way with our eyes, we become dark, we were meant to be light internally, but all of a sudden we become dark. And Jesus says in such a situation, man, how great is that darkness? So that's the second section concerning Jesus' deeper reasons concerning money here. And again, hopefully you can see, Jesus really is lovingly, compellingly trying to reason with us on this topic as we try to understand and hopefully even love what he teaches on money. Because just remember, Jesus never says, even here, that money is evil in itself. 
It isn't. But looking always for it, or the love of money, or the excessive storing up of money, Jesus is saying it really is an awful thing. And hopefully you see now, it's not an awful thing just because it's wrong, nor just because it won't last. But brothers and sisters, such a storing up and loving of money so deeply affects your and my hearts and our internal brightness more than we know. Which finally brings us to our third and last section this morning. And for this, we're going to be in Jesus' famous sentence or statements in verse 24. And now this really is Jesus' final climactic reason, I think, here in this passage we're covering this morning. And again, what we're going to see here in this verse is that Jesus technically does not command us anything here. And perhaps more than ever before in this passage, it really is important that you and I see this here. That we see that Jesus in this whole longer verse that we're about to read is actually just telling us what's true in fact. Because he's not about to say we should try to do this or that, nor is he about to give you and I instructions. Rather, in this verse, Jesus is simply going to tell us how you and I work. And remember, this is the Son of God who was part of the let us make man in our own image from Genesis 1. And so he knows us. He created us. He designed us. And therefore, all that being true, in love and, and to get us away from storing up such earthly treasures and so trusting in and loving money and stuff, Jesus finally in this passage says this to us. Look down to your Bibles, all of verse 24. No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. So to begin on this, notice how absolute and firm Jesus is repeatedly here. He begins with no one. Not some people, but no one. And then he says no one can serve two masters. Not no one should serve two masters, but no one can. And then he adds, for because either he will hate the one and love the other, he will. And then he adds, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. Again, not he might, but he will. Which then finally, with climactic and I think rhetorical brilliance, leads Jesus all of a sudden, the second person now, to address each one of us personally as he concludes this verse with, you cannot serve God in money. And again, it's not you should not serve God in money because God doesn't like it or something like that. No, our creator and designer and God himself, he tells us straight up, you and I, we cannot serve God and money. It's not possible. And so that's the absoluteness, the firmness of what Jesus says here. And quickly, that all matters for you and me because essentially then think about it. Jesus in this verse here, he says this because I think he probably knows that even after everything he said about money this morning so far, about it not lasting, how it affects our hearts, how loving it can make us internally dark, yet Jesus knows that perhaps the biggest temptation for each and every one of us in this room is to say, totally Jesus. That's, that's so true about money and how it can affect people. You're so right. But for me, I think I personally can serve both God and money. But that's why Jesus is so firm and absolute. No one can serve two masters. You and I will love and be devoted to the one or the other. And to you and me this morning, he says straight up, you cannot 
serve God in money. So that's the absoluteness of what Jesus says here in this verse. But now to, to really open this up a little bit more, now let's just spend some time just trying to think about what this actually means though. Right, what this actually means. Because here from Jesus, he's clear or he's absolute and he's bold, but still the question you and I might ha- ask is, okay, so Jesus says I cannot serve God in money. No one can. But what would that really look like in my life? And to answer that, I think we should further consider just two things in this, pa- this verse here from Jesus. Two things. First is that word money. That word money. Because that is a significant word in the original language. And you may know this. But in Greek there, this is the originally Aramaic word mammon. Right? You probably heard that. Mammon. And you might have heard that that word mammon means money and possessions. It's talking about money and possessions. And that's true. And that's important to know because that means that Jesus here is not just talking about some money we might have, but also our possessions as well. And so that's mammon. But not only that, but perhaps the most interesting thing on this word mammon is that even more literally in the Aramaic, because it's an Aramaic word, this word literally just means trusted thing. That's what it means. Or that which one trusts. That's what mammon means in Aramaic. And that's interesting, isn't it? Because think about it. We can each try to be somewhat removed when we talk about our money, right? Or about our possessions. As if it's just mainly about numbers or things we happen to own. But in reality, Jesus here uses a word that says that's not how this all works. And why? Well, because again, this word mammon speaks of our money and our possessions, but even more so, this very word he uses includes trusting in your money and possessions. And so all that said, I think that's the first thing which explains what Jesus is talking about, how this could look in our lives. Trusting it. And this, this is why, by the way, I think he says why we cannot serve God in money. Why we can't say we belong to God and also to mammon. Because if we serve God, it means that above all, we're people of faith. We're people who trust God. He's our hope. He, he, he's the one we rely on. And specifically, it means that we trust Jesus and the gospel of his good news, of his life, death, and resurrection, what that means, and how that defines our lives and our trust. But... For money or mammon, if we're all about that, then Jesus is saying, by definition, that becomes our trust. That's what we rely on. And therefore, again, we cannot serve God and mammon. We really can't. Because when push comes to shove, you you and I will trust in one or the other. And so that's the first thing for us to consider about what this could really look like in our lives. Which in second, I think we can see even more about what this would look like in our lives by now noticing how Jesus himself elaborates on this a little bit in the middle of this verse. Because notice, in the middle of this verse, to explain why you and I can't serve two masters, Jesus is clear, quote, for because either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. And you can hear it, those are mainly emotion words. And since Jesus uses them, I do think they're helpful for us to see what he's getting at. Because, because think about this, we may say that we don't live for money, Or we may say that we don't really trust in money like that. But a test to further prove that for all of us is to ask, well, do you actually show that in your life by your emotions? By your emotions. Or to use Jesus' words, when you think deep down about your life and what you hold to is so important, or when you think about your future and your plans and, and, and all the things you want to do, what do you deeply, deeply love? 
Is it the prospect of having more money and stuff? Or is it really Jesus and his gospel and his ways and whatever he has for you? And what do you love? Or to use the other emotions Jesus says here, some of the other questions to ask ourselves are, what am I actually devoted to? Or what do I despise? Am I devoted to stuff and security and money? And do I despise? Do I really despise the thought of having little money and possessions? Or am I really more so devoted to God? And do I despise ever leaving him? Right, these are the sorts of questions we really need to ask ourselves. And I mean it. We all do, no matter honestly how much or how little money we have. Because honestly, brothers and sisters, for all of us, money and mammon, it is so subtle and how it can take over our hearts. It's so subtle. And we often don't think it is because concerning this topic, honestly, we do love to focus on the really bad extreme examples of it, like with clear instances of greed, right? Like Scrooge from the Christmas story. Or we like to focus on people we know have just crazy luxurious lifestyles like celebrities or some people we might know. Or we might think this can't be us because we don't have that much or act that way that other people do. And so what we, to, what we do is we compare ourselves with others in all sorts of ways. And therefore, we all start to think, this can't be me. Because I'm not as affluent or I'm not as stingy or I'm not as selfish or I'm not as obsessed with money as that other person. But notice, Jesus here never tells us to compare ourselves with others. Rather, he's telling us to genuinely look at our own hearts at our own lives, at our emotions, with whatever money we do have or we want to have, and to each ask ourselves, what do I really trust in? What do I love? What do I hate? What do I despise? Who am I devoted to day in and day out in the deepest of my heart? God or money and stuff? And finally, Alice, let me just, let me just say briefly, I know this has been heavy and a lot, but hearing all that, if you, if you honestly are here and you realize that Money or stuff is what you probably serve. That, that security in money or happiness and stuff is what you honestly rely on and love. Then I just hope you realize first, I'm glad you're here this morning, and it's, it's a great thing that God is revealing that to you, but also even more so. I do encourage you, just be honest about that and confess that to the same Jesus who's alive, who's speaking to us this morning. Because, because the truth is, just so you know, I hope you all know, we all struggle with this to some degree. Because even we as Christians still struggle with this. The, the allure of money and having stuff and a certain level of affluence, right? It's a powerful force. But the difference between someone who genuinely trusts Jesus and loves Jesus and someone who's living for things like money is simply put, we as Christians realize that Jesus is actually true and better, right? And that, and that living for something like more and more money isn't what's best for us. Or to say it even more specifically, in faith, we as Christians, we realize that Jesus knows our struggle with money and all our other struggles, but we also know that he is the one who went to the cross to forgive us of all of our sins, right? That he loves us and that by his very spirit, he really does make us people who serve him instead of money, who love him more than the enticement of money and stuff. And so again, if, if you are here and you realize you do ultimately love this or serve security and money and stuff more than Jesus, I just want to say perhaps maybe genuinely come to Jesus for the first time in your life this morning. Because hopefully through what Jesus has said this morning, you realize how your money and stuff won't last 
how it does affect your heart, how it can turn all of our internal light dark. And therefore, if that's so, yes, Jesus says that's not good. It is hurtful. But also just know there is hope in this same Jesus. And knowing him and who he is and trusting in the security he offers now and forever in the good news of his life, death, and resurrection. And really for all of us, even us as Christians, let's make sure we even all do that again and afresh this morning. Let's trust Jesus more than the allure or security of money and stuff. But especially one last time, if you are here and you realize that money does have a hold on you, right, especially on your heart, may you come to him in faith even right now. And, and, and if you do so, just take heart. Jesus, he promises to receive anyone with open arms who comes to him in such faith. And so that's our passage from Jesus Church. That's him teaching us, commanding us, and especially reasoning with us to not store up treasures on earth, but to really focus on storing up treasures in heaven, which finally now as we start to a close, come to a close, leads us to close by applying all of this in just two more ways, a couple more ways. And for this, I just want to close by reading actually two quotes from some commentaries I came across this week. And I usually don't do this, especially end a message like this. But as I was studying everything this week, these two quotes just kept really sticking out to me. And I want us all to hear them because if we think about how this all really applies to us, both of these commentators, one interestingly writing all the way back from the 1800s and one more recent, they both have something pretty profound to say. And so two quotes and then we will be done. Number one, this is, this is the quote from the more recent of the two scholars, and he, summarizing this whole section by Jesus, he wrote this, quote, Many perceptive, ob perceptive observers have sensed that the greatest danger to Western Christianity is not, as is sometimes alleged, prevailing ideologies such as Marxism, Islam, the New Age movement, or humanism, but rather the all-pervasive materialism of our affluent culture. We try so hard to create heaven on earth and to throw in Christianity when convenient as another small addition to the so-called good life. Jesus proclaims that unless we are willing to serve him wholeheartedly in every area of life, particularly with our material resources, we cannot claim to be serving him at all. End quote. I think that's such a profound point because honestly, we, we're Bible people here at ECC, right? We follow Jesus in his written word because God is real. This is his word. And yet, guess what? Just to be totally honest, in God's word, he, he doesn't talk as consistently or as frequently about many of the cultural issues that we tend to think about all the time. He could have, but he doesn't. And now, that does not mean that they don't matter or that there isn't real right compared to wrong on certain issues. But honestly, church, we sometimes so fixate on things that we think are the big issues of the day. But instead of that, do you know what Jesus and his apostles talked about very frequently as really a huge issue for almost all people? How we handle money and stuff and loving money and stuff and living for money and stuff. Or as the commentator said, trying so hard to create heaven on earth and throwing in Christianity when it's convenient. And so the point is, that really does apply to you and me as professing followers of Jesus. We must deeply listen to and follow Jesus and what he's teaching here about money. And so that's the first quote from the more recent author, which now leads us to really conclude with a shorter quote. And this is from the pastor, actually, from the 1800s. In writing on this section of scripture, he said this, quote, it seems so harmless to seek our happiness in this world so long as we keep clear of open sins. 
Yet here, with this issue of money, yet here is a rock on which many are shipwrecked for all eternity. End quote. And that's kind of scary, but it's true as well, because as brothers and sisters, we, we can think that it's mainly just about avoiding the big obvious sins. And then we can start to think so that things that don't seem so bad, that everyone else is doing, like treasuring our money, they can seem like not a big deal. Right? But Jesus has taught us this morning, serving money is a huge deal. And it's not because if we love money or the world, then all of a sudden the gospel is, isn't true, right? Not at all. We truly are secure and saved if we genuinely trust in Jesus and what he did. But also, what can so often be the case, especially in our materialistic culture, is that the allure of money can be inside of someone's heart so subtly or strongly, and even in a professing Christian's heart, and it can so subtly be affecting them that they don't genuinely love Jesus and his gospel. That's scary. But remember, it's Jesus, not me. It's Jesus who said, you cannot serve God in money. And so finally, for all of us, just one last time, church, let's just make sure that it's not us. <laughs> all right, let's, let's listen to Jesus' reasoning and love him and trust him more than any amount of money or possessions we could have. Because remember, Jesus is the one who created us, he designed us, he loved us, he saved us, and he knows what's best for us. And so honestly, with our lives, with whatever money and stuff God has given us, let's serve him, let's cherish his gospel, and let's ultimately lay up for ourselves more satisfying and lasting treasures in heaven. Amen? Amen. Let's pray.